State Senate President Peter Machicki goes out on top. From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. My decision on not seeking re-election for 2022 is a decision where I've rarely had so much clarity. That was Senate President Peter Machicki after announcing he will not seek re-election in 2022. Machicki cited a desire to spend more time with his family. News of the North spoke with him after he made his announcement. He says his daughters are growing up and moving the family every session has been a challenge for him and his wife. The bottom line is this. The family that moved twice a year going back and forth to Juneau um, for the last 10 years, two years ago, two of those family members became high schoolers. And they are extremely active in their school. They are Their academics are important. They're active in the community. And it became unfair and a challenge for them to go back and forth. So in the last 16 months, I have spent approximately 11 months away from my four little girls and my lovely wife, and my girls need their daddy at home. So I'm recalibrating my priorities. Uh, We'll be no less involved going forward, but for now, um, I'm going to stay home with my family and work to support Alaska in a very different role. This is what Machiki says was his biggest point of pride over the past decade in the legislature. I think what I pride myself the most on is being a voice for those that feel like they don't have one. We have fought for the disabled and seniors, veterans on their individual struggles. We've passed some bills to protect them. And what we've um, focused on is making sure that those people that felt like they were voiceless actually do have a voice. They actually do matter. Michiki was coy about his future in Alaska politics. I have no fear for the future. I'm uh, optimistic that good people will be elected that are equally as dedicated to Alaska as those that are leaving. And I'm going to continue to support good people for a better result for Alaska and Alaskans. This announcement comes after the legislature ended its four-month regular session in a week before a candidate filing deadline. Michiki was first elected to the Senate in 2012 and was Senate president this year and last. Alaska Wildlife Trooper Colonel Doug Massey announced his retirement from the Alaska Department of Public Safety, which will be effective on May 31st. That was the word yesterday in a release from the department. Massey served as Wildlife Trooper since 1997 and was appointed as Director of Wildlife Troopers in 2018. Over his 25-year career, Massey served as a wildlife investigator, field training officer, medium-class vessel operator, fixed-wing pilot, and a post supervisor. Massey said it was a tremendous honor and privilege working in the department all those years, and said he is proud of the accomplishments the wildlife troopers have made over the last three and a half years. Alaska Wildlife Trooper Major Steve Adams will be will serve as acting director of the Alaska Wildlife Troopers until a permanent appointment is made. Members of the Juneau Chamber aired their thoughts on the petition circulating in Juneau, calling for an end to the mandatory property sale disclosures. Chamber Executive Director Craig Dahl said the Chamber has not weighed in on the matter, but explained that earlier in the process they had sent a letter to the city regarding the disclosure clause. At the moment, we, we, we the Chamber, we haven't weighed in on their petition in terms of what they're trying to do. Uh, when this first went into place, we had written uh, the Assembly the assembly went, chose to go ahead and put the mandatory disclosure in place. As a compromise to some of the objections over full disclosure, they put a sentence in their ordinance that basically said, uh, you have to disclose, but it'll only, the only person that will see it is the assessor. This will be confidential. 
There's the unintended and, consequence. And that seemed like a good compromise, but nobody saw the unintended consequences. Dahl said the unintended consequence came up during a number of appeals that were filed after the increase in property evaluations. When um, our business members who were very bothered by the increase in the commercial property assessments went to appeal their assessment value, um, and when they queried, how did you come up with that number, the answer was, we can't tell you, it's confidential. And that was the unforeseen consequence, that um, you can't have, the two sides can't have different information. Dahl said they wrote a letter recommending a change that would have allowed a property appellant to access the same information the city has during an appeal process. But he said the city removed the confidentiality clause and also inserted a $50 fine. Past Chamber President Eric Force said the chamber will wait on taking a position. We'll probably wait until... When it, when it does get the signatures. If it gets yeah, enough it gets signatures, signatures. And, they, and, then, and then we'll take a look at it and see what, what that's going to do and how what the language is going to be. There are a lot of other states that do this. Um, we're one of only, I think, 13 states that don't have a, a mandatory disclosure. Um, so well, and it, it got complicated because it's just Juno. So Alaska hasn't changed their law. This is really, we're the only... Uh, now I could be wrong on that. We're the only municipality, but I think we're the only municipality... Uh, with this requirement. So there's an argument that if it's that important, why doesn't the whole state do it? So we'll see where it goes. Juno Chamber Executive Director Craig Dahl and past President Eric Forrest commenting on Action Line. The Juno Docks and Harbors Board meets tonight to take up the department's project request list for the city's temporary 1% sales tax increase that will be put to voters later this year. Port Director Carl Yucatel was a guest on Action Line. He said they will be whittling down the project request list. Make sure that everybody's, or there's a consensus on what projects to advance. Um, we're kind of using, uh, the city manager made a, had a memo back in March um, proposing $5 million for docks and harbors for 1%. So we're kind of using that as the as a ceiling and trying to build to that with what projects we think will have broad community appeal. One project you could tell said the board is interested in pertains to work on Aurora Harbor. Back in 2017 we got 1.5 million for uh, the north end of Aurora Harbor so we call it Aurora Phase 3. So certainly the next phase of Aurora Harbor, so more money. We think we need about $10 million to finish off Aurora Harbor. There are grants that are out there. We have been unsuccessful with the um, uh, Alaska Department of Transportation Municipal Harbor Grant for the last five years for the North End. That's why um, many of your listeners will see it's empty. It's We're waiting to leverage that money that we have in pocket with the state money and we just haven't received the state money in, in the five years that we've been applying for. So we'll continue to look for money for that. The other relates to work at the Wayside Dock near Dipag. This was uh, constructed by the state in about 2003 and transferred to Docks and Harvards for management and over the last you know 20 years we've seen the isostatic rebound and so now the the float is gets hung up on extreme low tides. That's not good for the structural integrity. Uh, it needs to be dredged, and so that's one. Another project of interest is improvements to the Taku Harbor floats. 
The board will also be updated on its harbor rate study. The meeting is scheduled for 5 p.m. tonight. The meeting can be attended via Zoom or in person at CBJ Room 224. Juno Police will maintain beefed-up patrols with high school graduation and Memorial Day occurring over the long weekend. Police Chief Ed Mercer spoke on that on Action Line. Pretty um, standard for us, uh, the stand-up uh, Memorial Day weekend detail. We'll have the Mobile Instant Command out, out the road again all weekend long. We'll have extra patrols on, on out, out the road where we don't typically, you know, we're out there on occasion when we have staffing to be able to go out there, but you're going to see a lot more JPD out on both ends of the roads uh, doing patrol. Mercer said their goal is making sure folks are safe while having a good time. Mercer said there will be a presence in the schools as they typically do at the start and end of the school year. We'll have officers in, in there participating in, in graduation over the weekend. And, you know, we're going to step up a little bit of police presence in all schools. Uh, we typically do beginning of the school year and end of the school year, and we're going to do the best we can to really just get out there and, and people are excited. I mean, the end of the school year, summer's starting. We want everybody to have a a good time and, and, and on a good note and a good end as far as it goes. Juno Police Chief Ed Mercer commenting on Action Line. Na Da Na, the joint venture between Huna Totem Corporation and Doyon, has announced the construction of a new cruise destination in Cloak. The venture is partnering with Cloak Hina Corporation to develop a series of culturally based tour products and infrastructure to welcome cruise travelers to Klawak Island. Mickey Richardson of Huna Totem said they have been working with Hina through the pandemic to build the foundation for the plan. The industry is really excited about the potential of what's coming for the Prince of Wales Island. Its location is really strategic. Being open to the outside, the Gulf of Alaska, with really scenic, iconic sailings, both in north and south entrance into the island port, as well as just an immense uh, road system. For those that haven't been there, Prince of Wales is just a beautiful island, and the road system connects to uh, lots of uh, communities around the island that all have potential to have great tour products and great opportunity for guests to really experience an authentic uh, Alaska vacation. Richardson said their first call is scheduled. It's a beautiful location set apart from the city, Previously, it was used as a timber sorting yard in the timber industry, and we're really excited to develop this space out for the cruise industry. And we're really excited to be opening with our first ship call from Oceania in 2023. Also, there are three additional calls scheduled for the 2023 season. Richardson said their current aim is towards the smaller cruise ships and then build up in size. But starting obviously we're starting with the smaller ships and ramping up over time but it's important to be able to grow the community and the skill sets within the community and they have a great carving tradition as you mentioned great sport fishing and also they have a great new mariculture uh, industry that's coming in Kowak so we're excited to kind of see what those those resources uh, and how we can integrate that into a sustainable tourism model for the community and helping the community to build the future for the the next generation of shareholders for Quakinia. 
The port partnership expects to announce additional cruise line visits for the 2024 and 25 seasons. The city and borough of Sitka Police Department is investigating an arson at one of their harbors. According to Sitka Police, on May 20th at about 11.25 in the evening, dispatch received a 911 call stating it appeared a boat was on fire in Crescent Harbor in Sitka. Officers responded to the area and quickly determined that it was Float 4 in Crescent Harbor that was on fire, not a vessel. Serena Wild with the department said they are looking for the public's assistance. Upon review of the surveillance camera footage in the area, officers were able to determine that four individuals had set a fire, which resulted in a fireball explosion that caused the float and the water surrounding that area to catch fire. Sick Police is looking for the public's help in identifying the individuals. Images of those individuals can be seen on the website at kinyradio.com. During the Alaska Sustainable Energy Conference yesterday, the Alaska Energy Authority and the Rail Belt Utilities announced plans to spend more than $200 million on transmission line upgrades. Those enhancements will reduce line losses, increase capacity, and improve the delivery of power from the Bradley Lake Hydroelectric Project to Rail Belt consumers. Governor Mike Dunleavy spoke at the event, saying the plan would electrify parts of rural Alaska from Toke to Valdez and other locations. The only thing I'd say at this point is you're going to find that transmission is going to be a a discussion point that started a while ago between uh, the utilities, Curtis, and myself. And and just very briefly, part of that that, uh, discussion involved the concept, for example, on the rail belt of tying the entire rail belt together, because right now... Uh, this system really only goes to Delta, leaves out Toke, leaves out Glen Allen, and leaves out some really, I think, uh, valuable stranded asset down on Valdez with the hydro that they have as well. But imagine, uh, hopefully in a very short period of time, uh, the entire rail belt is wired in. We're able to share energy sources. But when we upgrade the lines, um, and for those of us that uh, are looking forward to a, a renewable future, this gives us an opportunity then to pour more energy from those sources into this line. The rail belt refers to the interconnected electric grid that stretches about 700 miles from Fairbanks through Anchorage to the Kenai Peninsula. About 70% of Alaska's population is served by the rail belt electric system. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is proposing restrictions that would block plans for a copper and gold mine in Alaska's Bristol Bay region. It is the latest in a long-running dispute over efforts by developers to advance the mine in a region known for its salmon runs. Critics of the mine called the EPA's proposal an important step, but the CEO of the Pebble Limited Partnership called it a political maneuver and a preemptive effort to veto the project that Pebble is pursuing. The Pebble Partnership is also appealing a 2020 decision from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers denying approval of a key permit for the project. Alaska airline pilots have voted overwhelmingly to authorize a future strike if current contract negotiations with management and federal mediation efforts fail. Alaska airline pilots have voted overwhelmingly to authorize a future strike if current contract negotiations with management and federal mediation efforts fail. The Seattle Times reports the Airline Pilots Association saying Wednesday that almost 96% of its members cast mail-in votes and that 99% of those authorized the union's leaders to call a strike if necessary and one permitted after a prolonged process managed by the National Mediation Board. The vote could increase pressure on Alaska Airlines management to come to a contract settlement. 
The union has been stalled for many years trying to negotiate a contract that addresses work rules, scheduling flexibility, and career security. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is siding against the airline industry in a case that involves whether California-based flight crews should get the rest breaks that are required under state law. The airlines say they should not, that only the federal government can regulate the airline industry. On Wednesday, the Biden administration asked the U.S. Supreme Court to let the California law stand or send the matter back to lower courts for more consideration. A federal appeals court in San Francisco ruled in 2021 that California was within its rights to apply a law on employee rest and meal breaks to the airline industry. Airlines say that would lead to reduced flights and higher fares. League of Women Voters in Juneau are aiming to take the mystery out of how to run for public office. Committee members Kristen Bartlett and Peggy Cohen spoke on the League's How to Run for Local Office workshop while guests on Capital Chat with Dano. Bartlett says the workshop is scheduled for the end of June. This will take the mystery out of how to run for local office. And during the workshop, which um, is going to be held on Saturday, June 25th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's going to be at the CVJ Assembly Chambers, so you can get right in there and feel comfortable in the spot where the work actually happens. Bartlett explained what the workshop will do to help potential candidates. There are a variety of panels of local uh, officials and um, past officials to give you sort of the ins and outs of the jobs of assembly and school board members, the legal requirements that you have to fulfill, um, meaning, you know, your residency and being um, a registered voter and that sort of thing, um, campaigning basics, and um, what are some good ideas to prepare yourself to run for local office. Cohen explained what the league is all about and what they do. The League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan political organization that encourages the informed and active participation of citizens in government. Um, that's its major, that's its mission, and it's, um, it tries to increase the understanding of major public policy issue, influences public policy through education and advocacy. And um, one thing to note is that the League never um, supports or opposes any political party or candidate. Again, the workshop is scheduled for June 25th from 9 to 2 p.m. in the CBJ Assembly Chamber. Registration ends June 16th. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.